I think over the next few years, we're going to see some major, major changes in in our business because of the the shift in focus in the the EV market. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up, folks? We are heading back to Ohio again for this episode. This week, we're talking to Zach Arnold, founder of Arnold Machine Inc., or AMI, in Tiffin, Ohio. They build custom automated equipment for the automotive industry and beyond, and that's just one of the things that we're going to be talking about this week. So, what are the three things you can expect from today's episode? Well, first, we're going to get to know Zach and how he built Arnold Machine from the ground up. It's a cool origin story. Excited to share that with you here in a second. Second, we're going to talk about applications, what it's like serving tier one automotive suppliers and other fun things like football manufacturing that AMI have been doing. Third, we're going to talk about innovation and talent, everything from how they're utilizing new models like machine as a service to putting the right people in the right positions. As you're listening to the episode, if you're liking what you're hearing or you want to learn more, head over to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 47, since this is episode 47, or you can jump straight to arnoldmachine.com. As always, if you're liking what you're hearing, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes, and these reviews don't need to be long at all. In fact, here's one that DNM, that's this individual's initials, they recently left this over on the app. They said, this show is a great source of information for industrial automation. That's it. That plus a five-star rating, that's perfect. Like I said, doesn't need to take long. Just head over to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes to leave your rating and review today. And with that, let's jump into it. It's time to meet up with Zach for today's conversation. How are you feeling? Good. All right. Good. How about you? I'm good. Feeling man. good. Ready this to do this? Is, this has been normally when we do these interviews, I haven't like spent the whole day at a facility so far, but uh, it's nice to have had the opportunity to kind of hang out all day. As, yeah, it's uh, good as we do this. Get to so, know us a little bit and see what's happening. Exactly. Exactly. Good day here in winter here in Tiffin, Ohio. And before we get rolling, I want to make sure I give you a proper introduction to the folks listening out there. So. For those of you listening today, our guest has been running a premier full-service engineering and equipment manufacturing business for almost three decades here in Ohio. After starting his company in his garage in 1994, Arnold Machine, or AMI, now operates out of a 50,000-square-foot facility where they make innovative automated equipment for applications in automotive, appliance, heavy industry, and beyond. Ladies and gentlemen... Please welcome President Zach Arnold to the show. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank Zach, you. Was that was that fairly accurate? Yeah, I think that's pretty. Yeah, that's okay. pretty accurate. All right. Well, I always like giving you the opportunity as well to uh, to kind of give your side of the story also as we get rolling. But we got to do it in happy hour fashion because right. we're here on manufacturing happy hour. Right. So cheers. We're we're. <laughs> 
drinking here at the end of the day in uh, in your facility, but let's say we were out exploring Tiffin, Ohio. Paint a picture. Where where might we we be grabbing a pint here at the end of the workday? Uh, the best place to grab a pint in Tiffin is definitely the Clover Club. Okay. It's been around for, I think, close to 100 years. They've usually got a pretty good rotation of beers, and uh, it's always a nice atmosphere to go in and hang out and have a beer. Love it. Clover Club sounds like the spot. So let's say you and I are hanging out there having a, having a beverage, and someone comes up to you, and they're like, you know, Zach, I've seen you running AMI for, for all these years, but, you know, I know you serve like the automotive uh, the automotive industry. I'm, I'm a little familiar with you guys, but how do you describe what you do if you're hanging out with someone over a beer at the Clover Club? One of the easiest ways is, is the How It's Made show. Yeah. So we, all that stuff that goes on in that show, we kind of, we're, we're, we're the, the behind the scenes folks designing and building that type of equipment. Nice. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit, almost everything manufacturing. Um, our customers need it. Yeah. Need, need something made. They need something made faster. They need more of them made, whatever, whatever their product is. Our job is to is to help them come up with manufacturing solutions. And we were looking at it earlier over at your <clears throat> sales and engineering office. You know, we were looking at one of the the describe the brace for holding an engine in place. Can you yeah. describe that in more proper terms? Yeah. So an engine mount for yep. uh, for for a car, any car, SUV, truck, whatever it may be. Um, we've been working on those things for over twenty years now. Um, and you said it, it's amazing. It's amazing the amount of engineering and technology that goes into one of those parts of a car that you never think of. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been amazed myself at how much, you know, engineering goes into something like that. But, um, yeah, it's essentially the, it's the part that keeps the engine in the car and not out of the car. And what you're literally doing, you're responsible for the adhesive on that part to make sure you're connecting the essentially the rubber um to the uh the mount itself correct yeah yeah that's that's certainly that's one of our core competencies mm -hmm. is uh is applying the adhesive to the metal prior to the rubber bond um which is the is essentially the quality of the part so if that if that process has a flaw in it or has a has a failure it it's hard to detect. For one mm -hmm. thing, you got to destroy the part to determine whether or not the bond is good enough. Yeah. So not all parts get tested. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to have process control to ensure that uh, that that adhesive is applied correctly. Well, I'm excited to get into kind of the how it's made portion of this discussion a little <clears throat> later in the interview. Um, and for anyone that's looking at the show notes on manufacturinghappyhour.com, I'll make sure I have a picture of that engine mount so people can see exactly what it is that you're a part of or one of the applications that you're mm -hmm. a part of. Because like you said, you're doing a number of different things here. But first, we want to get to know you a little bit, Zach. Sure. And I mentioned in the intro, I said your garage. I think you started in a garage in 1994, but AMI. Actually, what's yeah, that? It was actually my grandma's garage. Oh, we, your grandma's yeah, garage. Okay. Yeah, I okay. Rented, Even better. <laughs> rented, rented that first building off of grandma. And uh, yeah, we moved some machines in there. And um, yeah, that's how that's how we got started. Awesome. So that was, that was 1994. 1994. And if, if what I remember right, you found some CNC equipment at an estate sale. Is that how it started? Yeah. Well, it would have been awesome if it was CNC equipment, but it okay. was old It was old manual equipment. Okay. Um, okay. A couple of lays from the 20s and That's right. uh, an old milling machine from the 40s. And that was what, uh, yeah, that was 
the start of our own machine. I need to get my milling lathe and CNC terminology correctly. That is not the first time I've made that mistake. But yeah, <laughs> that's so, okay. We'll let it slide. <laughs> you brought, it is it is happy hour after all. You right, got, right. So so you got some equipment. I, I, I'm curious. Did you decide to start the business because the equipment was there, or were you looking for this? And that's what kind of spurred it. Uh, partially because the equipment was there. Yeah. It was. It, yeah. It was a. There was a lot of opportunity that they all kind of rolled together at the same time that help spark it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I love that that was kind of a, a serendipitous start. You know, one thing I was curious about, you were telling me that you did this for five years on the side of your full-time job. Mm-hmm. Can you describe what you were doing full-time there? And then I have a question about your side hustle that started to evolve from it. Yeah. So I, I essentially, I worked for a couple of d- companies, uh, two different companies that did you know, do the exact same thing that one of them, you know, the way AMI started and, and the other one, you know, similar to the way we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And did that for as, as long as I could do that. I, I, I think that was my, my opinion of that. It was a, they were paying me to teach me how to do, you know, do what it is that we do now. Sure. So I hung on, I hung on there as long as I could. Well, that's, that's a great lesson right off the bat, because I think a lot of people think when they want to start their own business, they need to make that clean break first before they do it. But I think the way you summed it up, you were pet, you're getting paid to learn while you're doing that that whole time. What advice would you have to, Another, you know, an aspiring side hustler out there in, in the maker space, let's say in the manufacturing space, mm-hmm. someone that has a gig on the side. What, from your experience, you did that, you overlapped for five years. What would you tell someone that might be starting up their own thing? Don't be afraid to work. Yeah. Work, work and be a sponge. Yeah. yeah. So soak up everything you possibly can. And what I didn't, what I didn't pay enough attention to, I was, I was very focused on, on the, on the work and what, you know, making whatever it is we were making, mm-hmm. not as focused on the business side. Okay. And I had to learn, uh, I had to learn a lot of things the hard way on the business side on my own. Well, can you give us, can you give us an example of that? Because I feel like a lot of people are in that boat where you have some expertise in a certain area, but the business aspects are things that kind of come along as you go. Can right. you give us an example of, you know, a, a spot where you might've stumbled a bit, but because of that experience, you're, you're better off for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, accounting. I've uh, I've learned a whole lot about accounting in the last thirty years, mm-hmm. more than I ever would have uh, ever could have imagined. I would have learned, sure. Nor had the interest in really learning. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just everything from you know the 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 whole process of of doing the work is one thing, but the the process of you know, selling that work and, and delivering that to the customer and then invoicing. And it's just, mm-hmm. there's all of those steps, um, that are a part of it that, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, you're, you know, you're in charge of all that. Right. In addition to, you know, making, making the product. Um, that's a, it, it was a lot to learn, a lot to learn in a, over time. I have been looking at my first PLs because as you and I <laughs> talked about at lunch, I made the clean break from my full-time gig literally 4 months ago right. to this day. So, um I appreciate the reminder that these are things I need to be keeping an eye on. I, I well, I can remember the uh you know, I can remember you know making that final decision that you just made 4 months ago and yeah. and, and going into a you know, going into my old boss's office and saying, Hey, this is just, I gotta mm-hmm. go. And it's like a gut wrenching thing. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're second guessing yourself. Is this really the right thing to do? Am I making the right decision? And, 
all that stuff. Well, yeah. Ultimately, so far it's been good. Well, lessons to be learned along the way for sure, but uh, I want to keep the focus on you. So we did, we talked about doing a, a little how it's made conversation here. So I think a good place to start, we were talking about automotive. I'd like to stick on that with a little bit of automotive manufacturing one-on-one because I'm sure some people listening to this are familiar with the OEM tier one, tier two, tier three model. Mm-hmm. Now you are ultimately serving tier one suppliers in the automotive space. Yeah, primarily, primarily we do have some tier one or I'm sorry, some OEM mm-hmm. um, supply items as well, but primarily we are, we are supplying equipment and manufacturing solutions to tier one mm-hmm. suppliers. So the folks that supply the, in our case, the Hondas, Toyotas, Nissan, Subarus. Yeah. Um, some, some OEM or some domestic OEM as well, but um, yeah, primarily it's the, it's the uh, Japanese automotive market yeah. here. And when we say OEM, we're talking the people that actually make the car itself. Right. And then the tier one is the group that you supply equipment to that make all the different parts that go into that assembly. Is that the that, that's, simple term? Yep. Simple term. That's the gist of it. Those, those, are our, uh, those are our key customers. Love that. So you've been serving this industry for a long time. You're also right in the middle of it here yeah. in Northwestern. Yes, Northwestern. Had to get my directions right. Northwestern Ohio. Um, what are some of the innovations or trends you're seeing in the automotive industry that you're excited about or maybe some that that you're responding to uh, most most recently um, EV uh, electric vehicles uh, there's there, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot going on in that industry. It's it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had some new opportunity uh, new opportunities come up um, for for spray applications and coating applications uh, for the batteries and, and insulators and things like that. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, it, it's a it's a a lot different mindset as far as the powertrain goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the motors and the the motors and the drive mechanism to get the get the power from the motor to the wheel is, is right. completely different than, yep. than conventional thinking. So I think over the next few years, we're going to see some major, major changes in, in our business because of the, the shift in focus in the, the EV market. It's like you're reading my mind a little bit with where the questions are going. Cause my follow up to that is how do you stay a step ahead so that you're prepared for those changes so that you're prepared to take on opportunities in that space when they arise? Uh, a lot of it's relationships, um, mm-hmm. close relationships with our customers. Um, we've got some partner relationships with uh, with our suppliers, uh, some you know chemical companies that are working on um, they're working on new technology. Therefore, they we're involved in in helping them from the from the application side for that mm-hmm. new technology, um, and and that helps. Uh, we've got a close relationship with Fanic um, Robotics, mm-hmm. uh, so there's a lot of information sharing, you know, there as far as, you know, what, what they're seeing, what we're seeing. And, and we work together on that aspect on how to, how to essentially take advantage of it and, uh, from a business standpoint, but also provide, you know, good solutions for our customers. Yeah. I'm curious. So you, you mentioned a lot of big names that, that you're working indirectly with through the tier one suppliers or probably in many cases directly working with them. Is that correct as well? You're in some cases, that, yeah. You're part of that conversation. You know, this is a general um, question around customer relationships. You know, how how do you maintain and deepen deepen those relationships as 
time goes on, especially in an industry that's changing as rapidly as manufacturing in general, but automotive maybe more specifically. That's pretty simple. Just yeah. honesty and integrity. Yep. Yeah. Uh, keep keep the customer up to speed. Oh, mm-hmm. well, anybody. Customer, supplier, employees, mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, on what exactly is going on. Answer questions honestly and uh, and do business with integrity. You know, do what we say we're going to do. And if we don't do that, don't make excuses. Just own it and make it right. Love that. Simple answers are usually the best ones <laughs> yeah. in this case. Yeah. <laughs> well, well we're, I know I've been focusing on automotive, but that is only kind of the it, – it's one of your main things, but it's only kind of the surface of what you do. Mm-hmm. You do appliance. You also talked about Wilson Sporting Good as well. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. we start there, and then I want to hear about some of these others. But I think when we were chatting before I came out here, you mentioned you had a you basically helped them make footballs at the Super Bowl recently, correct? Well, they do they do a display, um, or at least in the past they have done displays at the Super Bowl where they mm-hmm. um, where they have their people on on site actually making making footballs, mm-hmm. you know, so the fans you know can watch watch that process happen, and. Um, yeah, it's interesting that the, the relationship started with, um, a, I say a friend of ours, but a but a customer from the auto industry, mm-hmm. um, kind of had enough of the auto industry, and he went to he went to Wilson Sporting Goods where they make footballs, and he's got this whole automation mindset, and you know one day he calls up and he's like, hey man, there's a ton of opportunity here. We need to automate this place. And yeah, can you come down and help us out? So that's kind of how that uh, that whole thing got started, and it's we're 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 moving about it very very cautiously. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know how long they've been making footballs there. Okay, the way they do it. Yeah, um, but I know it's been an awful long time, so it's not something that uh, not something that we want to change overnight or they want to change overnight. But, sure, but yeah, it's been it's been fun. You know, working with those guys, it's um, completely different mindset than working with people in the auto industry. Well, I've I mean. I've heard the automotive industry, and it's uh, funny enough, it's one of the industries I've touched the least. Semiconductor a lot when I was out in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. oil and gas, heavy industry, chemical when I was down in Houston. But I have not had nearly as much experience with that space as someone in the manufacturing world should have. And I've heard it can be a grind, and it's fast, and it's loud, expectations are high, <laughs> and if you don't meet them, you're going to hear about it. Is that accurate? Okay, yeah, that pretty well sums it up. All right, okay. I'm at least well, at least I've gotten the word on the street correctly on that. Yeah. On that. Well, we're talking. So we've talked footballs. We've talked cars. Uh, now, what else, what what's another one you'd like to highlight before uh, we kind of switch <clears throat> gears here? Um, most recently, we, we've got a project going now for uh, for a firearms manufacturer, mm. which is which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be this this will be our first project in in that uh, mm-hmm. in that arena, and it's kind of. It's kind of interesting talking to those guys. Um, that's a completely different mindset as well in in that industry. Yeah, where they they just can't make enough. They sure, keep, they can't make enough of of their product, and mm-hmm. and so they're they're hip to automate. And the what, what's what's really kind of refreshing is um, this is this is our first project with this customer, but you can just tell by by talking to them that they're well versed mm-hmm. in automation. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not this isn't this what we're doing with them is nothing new. They're sure you know, they 
they're uh, they're doing it all the time. So I'm anxious to go tour the facilities just to see what they're you know what what they do have and how they do it. And, yeah, man, talk about a how it's made experience right there. I, I guess my question to to wrap up this portion of the interview then is, so if that's a new application for you, how do you go from what you've been doing before into that? Are there similarities in the process? Is it relationships? What's the story there that allows you to, um, you know, get into new markets essentially? Yeah, you said it. It's similarities in the processes. Okay. You know, it's, um, you know, kind of like, you know, the nuts and bolts of it, whether you're uh, making footballs, car parts, or gun parts, mm-hmm. the nuts and bolts are the nuts and bolts for the most part. The processes, the the, the components that we use, mm-hmm. um, the uh, the thought process, it, it's, it's all very similar. Um, so we're not... We, the the biggest learning curve for us is is you know kind of learning a customer how they you know a new customer how they how they like to see things done how they mm-hmm. how they expect things to be mm-hmm. done that sort of thing um but yeah the the nuts and bolts of it are the same across the board or similar enough across the board yeah is it because it's another like spray application correct essentially is what it comes yeah this down one to? this one is a washing application a washing I'm yeah, sorry yeah it's that's... a washing application which um. Is, is something that that we've got a uh, through an acquisition we've got a you know a thirty plus year history on, mm-hmm. um, so getting their parts clean is 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 you know the same as getting a you know a stamping clean for a for an auto part um, or similar anyway similar enough that that uh, it's right in the wheelhouse absolutely yeah similar enough that you can can capture that additional part of the market it's cool to hear that you're growing not only through like applications, but also that one comes from the results of a recent acquisition. So you're mm-hmm. doing a lot of cool things here. Interested to learn a little bit more about your philosophy um, and uh, your leadership approach here at uh, AMI. But we will do that right after a quick break. We'll be right back right after a word from our sponsor. Are you searching for an e-commerce platform tailored to your industrial operation? Well, look no further than our sponsor for today's episode, Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha equips manufacturers, distributors, and dealers with the products and services they need to accelerate profits online. Now, I've been lucky enough to really get to know the folks over at Gen Alpha for the past few months, and what I love about them is that their entire leadership team comes from our industry. Not only do they know e-commerce, but they understand the challenges that manufacturing companies face when ordering parts online. If implementing an e-commerce platform is new territory for you or you feel like you could be doing it better, Gen Alpha offers an e-commerce readiness assessment to help OEMs identify their areas of strength and weakness in order to prioritize the activities required for a successful e-commerce launch. To learn more about Gen Alpha, make sure to head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Gen Alpha to listen to our interview with their president and COO, Christina Harrington. There, you can also find a direct link to their e-commerce readiness assessment, or you can check them out on the web at genalpha.com. In summary, if you're an equipment manufacturer, distributor, and your customers struggle to identify the right parts for the job, Gen Alpha can help. And now, back to today's episode. So Zach, you and I were chatting a little bit during the break, ironically about one of the questions I was going to ask you, but we were each taking it in in different directions because I'm interested 
to hear your approach on innovation. And when I talk about innovation, I always seem to default to a technology standpoint, but you had a different answer to your point, uh, to what you do with innovation. What is that? Yeah, we kind of, we kind of think of, uh, the technology standpoint and the innovation, at least from, from us internally is, you know, what we do really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know, we know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also, we, we need to veer off track sometimes and do mm-hmm. things that are maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Um, just to just to continue the innovation, continue the mm-hmm. technology, and add to, you know, add to our core competencies throughout the, you know, throughout the whole process. Yeah, and, and I guess how do you make the decisions as to what is the right thing to veer off on? Let's put it that way, because there are multiple ways you could get outside your comfort zone. But how do you make the take that calculated risk? Yeah, I guess uh, yeah. The first first thing you gotta you know we gotta ask ourselves is is can we do it? Mm-hmm. You know, do we have do we have the horsepower to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we think we do, all right, what's the risk and what's the reward? Mm-hmm. You know, the risk being you know uncharted territory, and the reward being mm-hmm. you know we have a great you know a, a great project, a, a new customer, and mm-hmm. uh, a new you know a new technology that we can continue to expand on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just got to kind of weigh all those things out and make sure you don't shoot yourself in the foot. Sure. Well, I think a perfect example, maybe a perfect example of this is, I mean, one of the reasons we've been out here today is we've been talking a lot about your new machine as a service program mm-hmm. that you're doing. And you've picked a couple areas to kickstart that, that you're really strong in, that you've mm-hmm. been doing a long time. You know, can you tell us a little bit about that and why that was an area that you decided to double down on? Yeah, the machine as a service is uh, you know something I heard about a little <clears throat> right about a year ago. Um, so it's kind of kind of new to the industrial market. It's not mm-hmm. you know not necessarily new to the to some other markets, but, mm-hmm. um, but no, it's it's a really cool thing. As soon as uh, you know, as soon as we you know we heard about it, and then we did a little more research on it, and did a little more you know a little more investigating it. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good thing for for not only our custom or our company, but our customers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you explain how that works a little bit more? Because I think people listening to this, they've a lot of them have heard the Steam Chain episode that we did way back when this started. Yeah. But some people might be hearing about this for the first time. Yeah. So essentially, machine as a service is a is a is a vehicle for manufacturers to uh, acquire new equipment, new technology without mm-hmm. the capital expenditure. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they don't need to outlay the cash to get the new machine. Um, we do that. Mm-hmm. And then steam chain is our, is our machine as a service partner. Mm-hmm. They manage the data, um, flow from the, from the machine to both the customer and to us. Mm-hmm. And with their blockchain technology, they're able to, you know, translate that into financial transactions and, Essentially, the customer is by not buying the machine. They are they are buying for the performance of the machine or the output of the mm-hmm. machine. Mm-hmm. So it's on us to make sure the machine performs, which is good for them, right? Um, and as long as the machine per- performs, it's it's good for us. So it's a win win. So and you picked a couple of machines that you know really, really well. You've got the application expertise down in those areas. Yes, and that's is that ultimately. I guess, tell me why that was kind of the spot that you decided to start. Maybe go into a little more detail there. Yeah, that, um, yeah, so we, we, the two, the two machines that we've selected, uh, one being a a coding application machine, adhesive application, and the other one uh, being a washing machine. Mm -hmm. Those are, those are kind of the two, the two 
most core, or not, I shouldn't say most core, but but the primary core competencies of of the company where sweet spots, sweet spots. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way to put mm-hmm. it. Um, we know the you know they're they're highly developed. They've been developed over you know decades of you know machine after machine after machine, and um, yeah, the reliability is there. The performance is there. Um, we know what to expect out of them. Um, our customers who mm-hmm. who have them currently know what to expect out of them. So it's uh, it was kind of a no brainer to pick those two to start with. Yeah. Do you think there's because this is kind of getting into a, a more philosophical discussion, but do you feel that the industry is at an inflection point where you can create these more um, results driven partnerships? You know, you mentioned you have a long term partnerships with the companies you've worked with. You got the integrity. You've got the relationship there. Do you think you're going to see more things like this in the industry that where both parties are, you know, sharing in the risk and the reward? I do. I, I, yeah, I do. I do. There's a, there's a lot to be gained, um, for the manufacturer in this, Mm -hmm. um, bringing, you know, pulling, pulling the OEM, uh, you know, us in this case, the, the equipment manufacturer, Mm -hmm. pulling them a little bit closer into their business and, um, requiring more from us, Mm -hmm. um, to keep their production processes, um, rolling and, and running at full tilt. Um, this is a this is a this is a great way to do that. This absolutely does that. It gives us that you know that drive and that incentive. You know, if it's not running, yeah, we're, we're not getting paid. Yep, exactly. So, so you had a good important. attorney joke about this earlier, yeah. right? What was yeah. that again? Yeah, exactly. Like the yeah, exactly. Like the old attorney tagline: If you don't get paid, we don't get paid. Yep, <laughs> yep. I dig it. Well, we've talked a lot about your customers. We've talked a lot about your partners. I want to talk about your team a little bit more because one yeah. of the things that stood out as I was looking you guys up before I came out here is. You have a lot of focus on internal advancement, getting people trained up, helping them take their careers where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. Let's start with a, a geographic approach to this. You know, how do you find the right talent? You know, to get that started here in a spot like Tiffin, Ohio, and you know, what do you look for in the people you bring on board? Um. Yeah, well, to get it to get it started, we we work a, we work closely with a vocational school here in town mm-hmm. um, for skilled trades. You know, machining, fabricating, um, engineering, technologies, and robotics, mm-hmm. um, electrical trades. That um, we've got a great relationship with those with with that school and and those folks to bring you know to bring really good talent in that hasn't been developed yet, mm-hmm. which is a which is a really fun thing to do then over the course of Mm -hmm. their careers, see where, you know, see where they go, help guide them in different directions. Mm -hmm. Um, But we, you know, we're not, we're not a big, we're not a big city. We're not a big, you know, real big demographic, but Mm -hmm. we got, we got a lot of really smart, hardworking folks in, in the area that it's, it's a lot of uh, technology Mm -hmm. driven. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people out here that are really, that are really into, into tech and, and mm-hmm. high tech kind of things. So, yeah. so yeah, finding, finding folks that are, that are into it and digging yeah. it is not, not terribly difficult. Well, I mean, it was apparent on your shop floor earlier from the machine shop to where you were putting the equipment together. Like clearly you've got a team of people that are excited about this oh, uh, yeah. out there. I mean, yeah. it's reflected in that. Um, from your standpoint, I was watching a video that you guys did before I came out here where 
You said you try to put the right people in the right positions mm-hmm. for their success. Can you tell me what you mean by that and how you go about making that happen? Um, yeah, that's well, I mean, that's the key to any business, get the right people in the mm-hmm. right seats. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had, I can't tell you how many career changes we've had within this company. Mm-hmm. You know, folks that, you know, maybe, you know, a machining, you know, machining is a good example. Somebody comes in as a machinist, um, they see the other things that are going on and, and like, you know, maybe I'd like to, you know, that looks pretty cool. I'd like to try that out. Yeah. Well, we, we, we have the, you know, we have the, the tools in place to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, engineering is a good example. You know, we had, uh, mm-hmm. this was, a, this was a few years ago. We had a kid come to us right out of high school with, he had no vocational, um, no vocational background. He just, you know, he didn't know what he wanted to do. He mm-hmm. ended up being an engineer, uh, over probably four or five years. So, yeah. so it just, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to to we have we we have an atmosphere where we've got so many different skilled trades and and mm-hmm. career paths. Um, yeah, you really don't need to know what you want to do. And specifically, let me, let me let me make sure I understand this right. This individual got his engineering degree while he was working here, so it was like you know applied learning as well. You talk about learning on the job before. I think. One of the weaknesses we see in engineering programs and um, I think co-op programs and things like that, you mentioned you do some of those. Those Mm -hmm. make up for some of that. But getting that real-world experience alongside the education is one of the areas that that really comes into play. I think what's even more powerful with your example is you get to do that on the job where – the worst thing you can do is become an engineer after four or five years. Actually, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's a pretty yeah. good degree it's to have, good, even it's if a you good don't. Gig, yeah. But it's good to like have. I would say in general, it's good to have some experience to be like, yes, I feel like this is the path I want to go. Versus the world where we currently have been living, and I think this is going to change as you know, skilled trades start having their resurgence. But um, being able to get that practical knowledge, confirm that's what you want to do before you invest all that time and money right. and energy and going down that path, right. Yeah, and then, yeah, the, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we've created an atmosphere to to be able to do that. You know, not not exactly sure what you want to do. Well, we we can we can certainly keep you busy, hardworking, smart folks, and uh, figure you know take take time figure out what you want to do. Love it. Well, you know, we're getting towards the end of our conversation. I was like throwing this one out there. Is there anything you wish I would have asked that I haven't asked you yet? I don't think so. I, I think I think you you pretty much hit on everything that well, everything we got going on. Is there something you wish you would have asked? I was just thinking that as yeah. I asked this. I know we're drinking some pale ales from uh, New Glarus Brewing. Moonman brought some Wisconsin specialties out here for this conversation. If you were choosing the drink today, what would we be drinking, Zach? Uh, Doesn't need to be beer either. <laughs> well, if if I were supplying the beer today. Uh, we'd probably be having an old Milwaukee light. Okay. That okay. seems to be the, the, the go-to beer here at AMI. How, we finish how, up a good project. <laughs> we're celebrating. We'll have a couple of those. I love it. I love it, man. <laughs> like I've, I haven't heard someone call out old Milwaukee light as like the go-to <laughs> arguably ever really, just to be totally honest. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. I'm a St. Louis guy. I'll drink Bush light all day long. That's a great summer. Beer. It's a great anytime beer as yeah. far as I'm concerned. So, well, Old Mill Light's even better. Old, so. Mil- old Milwaukee Light. Well, I came down from Milwaukee. I'm glad you're drinking <laughs> uh, drinking a beer with uh, with the namesake of the town I'm living in right now. <clears throat> I'm happy to be uh, enjoying the New Glarus Brewing Company. Yeah, yeah, man. Good, uh, good 
uh, reward after a long, productive day here at uh, AMI. What's next for uh, AMI? We talked about machine as a service. What else are you guys excited about right now? How can um, folks connect with you as well? Yeah, the industry in general. I mean, the the automation industry in general. We're excited about. Um, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for companies like ours. Um, our customers are, you know, in the they're all kind of in the same boat. We can't find enough people. We got to automate more things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's you know what we get into next is it's hard to tell, but I'm sure it's going to be fun. Love it. Well, for those of you listening, if you want to learn more about Arnold Machine AMI, you can head to the show notes over at manufacturinghappyhour.com. In the meantime, Zach, this was a lot of fun today. Yep, I've had a blast. Cheers. And for those of you out there, stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next time. Hey, hey, thanks for listening. I want to give a big shout out to the entire team over at Arnold Machine. Zach, Taryn, Steve, Tyson, as you could tell from the episode, I actually spent a full day out at their facility. We were creating some content for them throughout the day. So just a really impressive operation. If you get a chance, check them out. And speaking of which, if you want to learn more, you can head over to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 47. That'll take you to all the info we discussed in today's episode, as well as ways to connect with AMI, Arnold Machine. You can do that on LinkedIn. You can do that through arnoldmachine.com. Any of those work. Before we wrap up, I want to say thank you to our two sponsors for today's show. First, Gen Alpha, the e-commerce solution for equipment manufacturers. If you've been looking for a more robust solution, if you need help getting to the right parts quicker, definitely look into Gen Alpha. We featured them here on this podcast a little while back. We talked to their CEO and president, Christina Harrington. You can listen to that episode and learn more by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Gen Alpha. I also want to thank our premier sponsor for the show, Steamchain.io. Steamchain is the machine as a service company, and I'm probably not going to say too much about them this week because you just got to hear Zach talk about them in the episode. But if you do want to learn more, if you're itching to hear more, head on over to episode five of Manufacturing Happy Hour, which you can get to by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Steamchain to hear a full interview with their CEO, Mike Cromachy. Finally, I did mention that I was out at Arnold Machine helping them make content throughout the day, which is one of the things that I collaborate with manufacturers on. I help them tell their story, whether it's through podcasts, through highlight videos, through marketing coaching programs. If you're interested in learning more, if you think your company might need those, head to manufacturinghappyhour.com services. That's the quickest way to connect with me. Uh, you can shoot me a message and we can start the conversation there. My goal is to help companies get more customer acquisitions, get more conversions through modern digital marketing content. And with that, that's it for this week. Keep tuning in and we will see you back here again soon. See ya. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.